Hello and welcome to Grace Unscripted, where we share stories of the people in and around Grace Church without any script, just real, raw stories of life change through Jesus. I'm your host, Audrey Wallace, and in today's episode, I have the privilege of talking with Ray Dunkel. He's part of our Grace Church family, and he shares with us his story of how he went from focusing on striving and achieving to resting and serving. He sprinkles a little scripture in there, as well as a miracle that I think is really going to bless our audience. So let's go ahead and dive in with Ray. All right. Welcome to you, Ray. Thank you. Happy to be here. Yes. Thanks for coming in. I love it when people come in and sit down and say, well, I'm actually not sure what I'm doing here. I so. have no clue. So this, should be, this, <laughs> so should this be will be an adventure. Scary. We'll find out. <laughs> a mutual adventure. But that truly is. This is Grace Unscripted. We're just trying to hear your heart, how God has molded it and, and brought you here to Grace and the, the steps along the way. Cool. That should be easy. There we go. So, um, so Ray and I don't really know each other that well, which wow. is always a fun interview because I'm actually learning along with our listeners. Well, hopefully you don't regret it. (laughs) (laughs) I can't imagine, although we do have some history because, I don't know, did you work with my husband years ago? I worked with your husband years ago, probably eight, nine years ago, Mm -hmm. yeah, and thought he was such a nice guy, you know, and then lo and behold, we crossed paths here. Well, that that aligns nicely. Yes. Oh, interesting. So you saw a light perhaps in him? Perhaps. And I'm sure he felt the same about you because I've always had the deepest respect for you based on everything that he said. That's very nice to say. Thank you. I appreciate that. Great. Well, Ray, um, you know, as I'm learning about you here, are you from the Akron area? Like, what's I am. The yeah, I grew up on North Hill, so um, very close to St. Thomas Hospital, if people know yes. where that is, mm-hmm. and really spent my whole life there all the way through college, lived on North Hill, um, lived at home through college, went to the University of Akron, mm-hmm. and uh, it wasn't until I graduated college that I uh, broadened my horizon and moved all the way out to Copley. <laughs> and <laughs> I haven't left across. Copley, so here we, here we are, not very exciting. But yep, North Hill to Copley. Okay, any special travels in between those places? Have you ever gone outside of the country? Yeah, Let's I've, spice this up a little. I've, uh, boy, I've been to, I think, 12 countries, three continents. Okay, um, now we're talking. Yeah, a, lot, a decent number of Europe. I've been to Venezuela okay. and Aruba, Mexico, and... Yeah, I, I love to travel. My goal, I actually, my bucket list is to hit every continent before I die. And there I was doing go. well until I had kids, and then it just slowed down dramatically. Now I'm just about an empty nester, so okay. we may get back on track. But as I get older, it's like, you know what? That couch looks pretty comfortable. <laughs> <laughs> Planes are so uncomfortable, are. too, right? Exactly. That's one. Now, do you feel like you've planted that desire to travel in your kids? Have you uh, taken them many of these places? Absolutely. My son travels probably probably takes a trip at least once a month he takes a trip nice. and so he does love it I, I did plant that seed they've been um overseas with me a couple Wonderful. times that's um, awesome yeah. have they moved outside of summit county no you know fortunately <laughs> my my son uh, outside of summit county yes but he's just in wadsworth okay. uh, so he's, he's very close he's married i have a beautiful daughter-in-law love her dearly and then my daughter uh, just graduated in April. She's a uh, special ed teacher for Capley Schools. Oh, great. Um, and making a teacher's salary, she's going to live at home a couple years and save up some money before she tries to buy a home. Sounds uh, very smart. Which is fine with me. I, You know, my wife and I are 
Um, I don't think she punched me for saying this. We're kind of boring people, so our daughter isn't. So <laughs> she makes life interesting. She keeps things interesting at yeah. home. That's good. That's yeah. good. Wow. Okay. Wow. Well, um, I'm a little surprised by this whole traveling the world thing. So I'm re- I'm really excited to hear about that, and uh, I want to see some some pictures afterwards. But um, okay, so you grew up in North Hill, went to University of Akron, landed at Copley. Um, in that time, did you go to church in North Hill when you were growing up? When you were at University? background when did God really enter the picture into your life yeah it's that's a um, it's a fun question to reflect on because I was not raised in a Christian home okay um, now I think my family might argue with that but mm. I think the proof would be that I didn't know that Christ was God until I was an adult so mm-hmm. it'd be kind of hard to, to argue with that assertion yeah. um, so I you know for me Christmas was Santa Claus Easter was mm-hmm. Easter Bunny and it was a get together with family and I knew that um, Jesus showed up somewhere somehow in that, but it really didn't have uh, much meaning uh, for me. Um, I do feel like God was tugging at me, you know, most of my life, or at least most of my life that I was old enough to really start thinking about these things. And I, for example, I was baptized when I was 13, and that mm-hmm. was at my my prodding. Um now, with that, it's kind of funny because my prodding, there's a mix of maturity there, which means I know this is something God calls us to do. Mm-hmm. I did know that, even though I wasn't, you know, somehow I knew that through friends or whatever. Somehow hmm. I knew that. Um, on the other hand, I think I had seen the movie Damien Omen whatever, and I didn't want to get possessed. So I, Okay, that's, <laughs> so, that's also part of it. They made some maturity and yeah. extreme immaturity in that. And that, that was probably... Um, the first evidence that God was pulling at me, because there was maturity there. There was, I knew that yeah. that was something that God wanted. And so whatever, I know I'm supposed to do this, so let's do this. Um, then interestingly, I'm going to just tie that into a, an, another um, uh, story there. Interestingly, when I was 16 years old, and this will relate in a few minutes here, when I was 16 years old, I ha- you ever have a dream where it just seems like incredibly real yes. like you wake up and like was that a dream or was that did it real? happen right <laughs> yeah so i had this dream when i was around 16 i, I remember because i was in high school and it just kind of shook me i had this dream where i was sitting in a church and in the church there was a stained glass window a big stained glass window with jesus covering that whole window with his arms spread mm-hmm. and i'm sitting in the church and jesus comes out of that that window and starts walking down the center aisle in the church, and people are panicked and nervous, and I'm very scared. And he's coming towards me, and he stops towards me, and he looks right at me and says, I forgive you. Whoa. And remember, I was not raised in the church. I really had no reason to have any weight of that on me. Yeah. But for some reason, again, somewhere along the line, I must have heard something that that's part of who wow. this guy is and but it really like you know didn't really have any meaning to me but then mm-hmm. I had that dream which was so real well roll the tape forward I'm probably jumping ahead on your questions here but roll the tape forward when I got engaged to my wife I knew I wanted to be married in a church and I knew I didn't want to be a hypocrite doing it okay so I so that was what started me going to church, is in, in my early 20s, I started mm-hmm. going to church. 
And long story short, the church I went to was, well, I got baptized at this place when I was 13. Now, again, when I was 13, like, I went in, I got baptized, and I left. There was nothing striking about it. I had that dream at 16. At 23, I believe it was, I go back into that church, and that that dream, that stained glass window, was from where I was baptized when I was 13. So somehow, again... Wow, it (laughs) was registered away. Right, right. And Um, came back out. So that was the start of my, like, real faith journey was 23. I'll stop in a minute, but it was really my mid... 30s that I committed my life to Christ. Isn't that interesting? It always, I guess it should stop blowing my mind by now that we can be or at least proclaim to be Christians. And, and you know, maybe it's just a, an infant version of that and then really do the commitment at a different stage altogether. And Yeah, you know, and I think that's part of like um, discipleship, I think, you know, like I would not have really known otherwise. And what happened is, um, so we, my wife and I went to this Lutheran church for years, and then we had kids, uh, and we had twins, and mm-hmm. we were not comfortable, leaving, nothing wrong with the church, we had no, no reason to not trust anyone, but we just were not comfortable leaving our kids in the nursery. Okay. And so, um, so we just stopped going to church in, in our very early 30s. And it wasn't like sort of a conscious decision, it was just like, you know, you just slowly things change and mm-hmm. you get off track and whatever. And then uh, roll the tape forward a couple years. We decided, you know, we got to get these kids to church. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was networking. I, I used to be a practicing accountant. I'm not anymore, but I was a practicing accountant. So I was networking with an attorney. And at the lunch, uh, the attorney asked me, do you go to church? You should try my church. And we came here, Grace. Um, and that that was the start of like just seeing more about Christ and understanding Scripture mm-hmm. um, more than I ever had done. I remember thinking I learned more in this one Sunday than I had learned yes. in years. Um, and so that was kind of the impetus for understanding actually, you know, there is more <laughs> involved and yes. in, in being a believer. And I don't say that um, like a heavy handed, like mm-hmm. you got to do more sort of thing. Um, but you just come to realize, mm-hmm. you know, there is more. And then as you get excited and energized, you know, it's it's like a relationship. You've probably heard Jeff say stuff like this. Like you don't – if you love someone, you don't just passively sit back. Mm-hmm. You know, you're going to respond. And so that in a nutshell is what happened mm-hmm. uh, with me. Yeah. And then you learn more depth, which – comes more depth and desire and more depth and desire and all of that cyclical action just continues to grow deeper. And it's literally infinite, exactly. the depth that you can go to. Right, so right. as far as your relationship with God, your knowledge of him, the ways that he can use you, the rhythms that you can implement into your life, the, I mean, scripture, you read it every day and it could be something new. Exactly. You see things you've, you've, yes. you've seen them before, sure. but you've never seen them before. Just okay, like the stained glass yeah, window, you've yeah, seen it before, right. but you know now it's, it's new. That's great. Yeah. 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 And it's just... Um, I mean, along what you're saying, I think it's just your priorities change. You know, mm-hmm. it's like what really is important in life, or mm-hmm. and then it becomes who's really important in life, and who becomes God and your neighbor. You know, mm-hmm. that's 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 what becomes important. Yeah, there's an eternal perspective then, right? Versus sure. just today's selfish desire or you know vain conceit or anything of the, that worldliness. And uh, yeah, and you hit the. That's where I was: selfish desire, vain, okay. vain, vain, vain conceit. Well, let's I'm, dig into your selfish desire and vain conceit, Ray. <laughs> tell us more. <laughs> right. Well, okay. So, um, boy, are you a psychologist? <laughs> Actually, <that>? no. <laughs> so. Um, 
so let's just kind of roll the tape back a little bit. So I, I mentioned I grew up uh, by St. Thomas Hospital, and mm-hmm. people from Akron would know that means we were not part of the country club set, right? Sure. <laughs> if sure. we were in a country club, we were cleaning it. Yeah, okay. that, that, that understood. Sort of thing. So, um, so I, I, I grew up. Um, well, a it was a rough neighborhood. It was a very rough neighborhood. I can remember. I could share stories with you. I, I remember I was raised by my grandparents and my mom. Mm-hmm. Um, I can remember a night where um, a house two up from me and a house across from me were um, nearly in a physical argument. And then one of the people saying he has a gun, I don't know which side it was, and mm-hmm. then that kind of sp- broke up. But I was I was in college at that time. I was trying to sleep. I think I had an exam the next day. Um, and so I called the police to break it up. The police came. They broke it up. Not within 20 minutes, catty corner from my house. Uh, and I want to be sensitive to people that have gone through this. Um, but I could hear a husband start physically abusing his wife. Mm. I could hear her screams. Mm. And so I call the police on that. I can remember going to visit my great aunt. And again, I was raised by my grandparents. My grandma was home. I went to visit my great aunt. I came back. My grandma was in tears. What's wrong, grandma? Someone came, said he was with the gas department. I let him mm. in. He robbed me. Another time, my mom and my grandma sitting. We had a picture window in our living room. Just someone throwing a boulder through the window. Wow. I, and, I, and I can actually keep going. So, sure. So that, like your, your psyche or whatever, that really, I needed to get out of Dodge. That mm-hmm. was a big motivator for me. I, I needed to feel like I live somewhere safe. And I, I remember a friend years ago when I was a practicing accountant and another attorney who's also a believer talking to me about my life story and, you know, the journey where I went just physically, like the house I lived in then versus the house I live in now, that, that sort of thing. And I said, you know what? Um, I could live in a cardboard box as long as it was in a safe neighborhood. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's, that was really... And that's spoken from deep experience the, the, and pain. Exactly. You know, you're, you're kind of joking, but not really. Exactly, yeah. And then... The other side of it, and I don't, as I look back on this in my life, there, there were, so when you grew up on North Hill, Cauga Falls is rich. Mm-hmm. You know, now, you know, I'd say now Cauga Falls mm-hmm. is blue collar, nice, mm-hmm. normal neighborhood. But when you grew up on North Hill, it's like the rich people. Yeah, you've made it. You're across the, it, it, the bridge. Across <laughs> the bridge, yeah. And then, um, and then if you're in Talmadge, well, then you're just the uber rich at that point. <laughs> That's like a whole other story. So I had family that lived in the falls, really respected them. Um, Lived in a nice home, a uh, safe home, a safe neighborhood. And then they had relatives in, in Talmadge and elsewhere that I felt like looked down on me. Mm. Now, in hindsight, I don't think that's true. And I don't think yeah. it's fair to them. So if they ever heard this, I'd want them to know. I don't think that was fair. Mm-hmm. But at the time, that was it. So I was very much driven towards success. So we got on okay, like, to selfish yep. ambition and mm-hmm. the vanity. I was very much driven by the desire for success, A, because don't you dare look down your nose at me. Mm-hmm. Now, I, th- I think I can say I've probably done a pretty good job in life and not looking down at other people. I come okay. from, a, again, a very blue-collar family that I love dearly, and I thought they were wonderful people. Mm-hmm. And so, you know what? My grandfather who raised me dropped out of school when he was 11. Wow. You know, but a wonderful man. Yeah. Um, so... Anyway, don't you dare look down on me, and I need some more safe and quiet and get into the noise that mm-hmm. my neighbor constantly yeah. had. I couldn't sleep, banging music all night long. So those things really drove me. And then mm. 
that drove me to, um, you know, this sounds less than modest, but to excel in school. And so coming out of the University of Akron, um, I was recruited by several large international accounting firms. Wow. And ended up working with uh, one of those large firms. That drove me, at, at some point, that quality of life was not good for me. So I, I, I went to a respected regional firm, mm-hmm. um, which was not where I met Gary. That was firm number three. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, and then it was there that I started playing the game a bit, like a little bit of like, um, okay, I'm going to get on these boards. So I've been on boards and, mm-hmm. and I still do that sort of thing today. Um, and I'm going to get promotions and I got promotions and um, ended up getting a few awards from the community and so forth. And that really drove me. And then in my mid-30s, I came to Grace, and I started committing my life to Christ. And it's like, huh, which master am I going to serve Yeah, here? you see the world through a whole new lens. Yeah, exactly. Um, and then there was a moment that was a dramatic change in my life. Okay. Um, should I share that? Let's do it. I want to hear this. All right. So... So with that background, that was a long story, but it's important because, you know, you know, in whatever amount of time we have here, how long we've been talking, it's really hard to get across a lifetime of feeling judged and a lifetime of feeling unsafe mm. in what mm-hmm. that does to you. Mm-hmm. But that really, again, motivate, motivated me to succeed. Now, I'm not, you know, people are looking at Jeff Bezos or Bill Gates are like really right. successful. But, but for a little old Ray Dunkel from North Hill. In your world, on your <laughs> scale, <laughs> you were scale. a tops. Yeah. I, I had arrived. Right. And know. it was like, what's the intent of your heart? What's the, the guiding post, the guiding light for you? It sounds like success. Success. Not in the way that you were perceived by the outside world. That's absolutely right. Mm-hmm. And so, so I accomplished much of that. And it was interesting, you know, to make a little, um, you know, side story here. What you find often in life is that things aren't what they're cracked up to be. So, for example, the first time I got invited to a lunch at a country club, like, again, mm. I, I made the joke earlier, mm-hmm. my family would have been clean, cleaning the country. And that's not really a joke. I mm-hmm. mean, my grandfather worked at a laundromat as a janitor, and my mm-hmm. mom worked at Kmart. You know, mm-hmm. so we, you, you can get the idea. We weren't rolling in the money. Um, first time I got invited to a country club for lunch, it's once again, it's like, well... I've arrived, you know, mm-hmm. that sort of thing. But we go to the country club, and I the decor reminded me of a funeral home, mm. and the food wasn't that great. And it's like, oh. This isn't what, what I we, was yeah, expecting this whole time <laughs> yeah, as I stood exactly. on the outside looking in. Exactly. <laughs> and you can just, and, and that kind of is the story of my life in, sure. in, in, in many ways. Well, anyway. Um, so I was really driven by success, and I in 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 any in actually in very real ways I've accomplished it, and I accomplished it then. And um, so again, awards, leadership, and then in my career um, was at a very respected accounting firm, and I was told I would be made partner in a in a year. Mm-hmm. Well, again, when you're driven by I want to be out of being poor, and, and and really in my case it was where I lived. And I want respect. When you hear you're going to be a partner, like you've accomplished it. And really, it's much of what the world would tell you is successful. Well, at the same time, that is the same time where my life priorities were uh, shifting because I came to know him. I knew the Lord, but I came to love him mm. and be defined by him. Mm-hmm. So then I started wrestling with 
huh, I can take this role of being made partner, but partner meant that you were working 60 plus hours a week every week. Mm-hmm. It wasn't just like in the in accounting world, there's busy season and there's four months that are busy. You know, that's going to be busy season all year round. You're just going to work, work, work. Yeah. And there's not going to be a whole lot of time for loving my neighbors, mm. which would be my wife and my kids sure. at that time. Sure, first and foremost. First and foremost, let alone serving at the Above church. Above and beyond, and, yeah. And all that. And so I really started going through this wrestling match. It's like, okay, God, all right, I love you, and I believe you are who you say you are, but you know what? I just finally got <laughs> Yeah, finally, there's some I'm security fin- coming exactly. that I've been hoping for. And I finally I'm made revel it. in it for a little while. And so it was probably for about six months i just went through this incredible wrestling match um like and again you have to really can't understate the weight of my background there and Mm -hmm. went through this incredible wrestling match like okay god what am i supposed to do here you know and and you know silly me i i I never sought guidance from like a pastor or anything Mm. i just went through this wrestling match well anyway Roll the tape forward a little bit more, and and again, I'm 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 basically a new Christian, even though it was in my 20s that I accepted Christ. Mm-hmm. It was really in my 30s that I committed. So I had just started reading the Bible for the first time. Okay, and I had, I I remember uh, when I'm going to share this kind of miraculous thing. Not kind of, it's a mar- mm-hmm. miracle. Um, I I I was had started reading the Bible, and so every night I was reading the Bible a little bit. And on this particular day, I had already read Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and I just finished John. And I knew that those four, the Gospels, I knew that they mm-hmm. were the Gospels. I knew they were all kind of interrelated. And I didn't, but I did had no clue what the rest of the Bible was going to be. Zero clue. Wow. So I, I think it's safe to say, even though I had gone to church, I, I, I little, I literally think it would was always going to be. And then Jesus did that, and then Jesus did this, and you know, and and there's other stuff that we see in Scripture. Mm-hmm. So um, anyway, I finished. I, my my kids were in bed. My wife had gone to bed. For whatever reason, I was, and this isn't relevant to the story, but it's just relevant to my memory. I was sitting in my family room on the floor with my back to where our TV uh, was at the time, and I finished. And I thought, okay, well, ever like, you know, I'll show my age here. When magazines were a thing, mm-hmm. <laughs> and you'd be reading a mag, you'd read an article in a magazine, and you're done reading, but you'd flip ahead just to see what else is in here. I'm not going to read anymore tonight, but I'm mm-hmm. just going to flip ahead to see what's there. Okay, I'm fine. So I, so I did that, mm-hmm. and I came across. I'm going to pull out um, scripture here. Um, I came across in my Bible a section. I was in. I was just flipping ahead through the New Testament. First um, uh, Timothy, and I saw the section called Qualification of Bishops. And I, I, I literally thought, what? Mm. The Bible would tell you that? Interesting. You know, and for anyone raised in the faith, it's like, duh, <laughs> you know? But again, if you're not raised in the yeah. faith, like you, like, I'm you like got Noah's Ark, you got I, Daniel and some lions, right? and Jesus. I probably didn't even know Daniel. Well, by that time I would have, yeah. but, but still, yeah, I would have heard Noah's Ark as a kid, I'm sure. But yeah. anyway, you, you don't yeah. know much. It's just like anything in life, you don't know what you don't sure. know. So anyway, I came to that qualification of bishops. And I thought, well, I am shocked that the Bible would tell you that. Hmm. So I, I stopped right there, and I, I stopped, 
and I prayed. And my prayer, I think word for word, was, God, I would love to know that if I walk away from everything I'm about to accomplish to serve you, will I regret that? It was that simple. I closed my eyes. I opened my eyes. I turned the page, and my, God, my eyes go directly to this. I'm going to read it to you. It's First Timothy 6, starting in verse 6. My eyes go directly to this. Okay. But godliness with contentment is great gain, for we brought nothing into the world, and we can take nothing out of it. But if we have food and clothing, we will be content with that. Those who want to get rich fall into temptation and a trap and into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. Some people eager for money have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. Wow. Now, that is not... That is not fortune cookie Christianity. There's no, there's no coffee mug with that on it. No, and that, but that is like dead on appropriate contextual mm-hmm. to what I was wrestling with. Now I I say it's a miracle because I made that prayer. I turned the page and my eye went directly to that. Yes. Here's what makes it a little more just I think unbelievable. So the reason my eyes went to that is because it was underlined. And why I say that's relevant is because there was not a single other mark in that entire Bible. So up to that point, my mom gave me that Bible when I was 13. Wow. When I was baptized, it was a new Bible. Up to that point, I had not seen it. I had read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, flipped through pages, had not seen a single mark. I remember when I read that, then I looked up at, the I just looked up at the ceiling and my response was, with hair standing up on the yes, back of my neck. Yes, I have that now. I said, okay. <laughs> that was it. Out loud, I said, okay. But then the next thing I did is I flipped. I went back to Genesis. I flipped literally right there every single page of that entire Bible right then and there to see if there was another mark, and mm-hmm. there was not another mark in that whole Bible. Do you still have this Bible? I do still have Is that it Bible. in glass case? We <laughs> yeah, right, open to right, that page. Right. And and I think, I try to think about, like, well, how? Because I don't, like, I, I don't think that Jesus snuck in with a pen while my eyes were closed. Sure. So um, I do remember early in my career, so out of college, there was a week that I read the Bible. And I'm thinking mm. that by God's divine intervention, at that point, he, he must have directed me to underline mm-hmm. it. At that point, that's the only thing that makes any mm-hmm. sense to me. Not that, I mean, I, he could have done anything. He could have snuck in with sure. a pen for all I know. Sure. But, but, um, but that, that was a major turning point mm-hmm. uh, for me. And that it was a clear answer. Wow. Um, and it's to me, you know, that like, that was me. You know, I look at that and like, you know, would you rather win the $1.35 billion Mega Millions last week or have what just happened to me? Yeah. I, I'd pick what happened to me. Every day. Uh, every day. I mean, so that was, yeah. Well, I, that encourages my heart in how personal God is, like created the mountains and the earth and the seas and the sky and yet, you know, 
you sitting there, sitting on your living room floor. He takes care of every little thing. And and we, like, that's the evidence that, like, you had that experience. And thank you for sharing that with all of us so that we can now say there's more to my, like, to substantiate my faith because I know, and I know and believe and trust that things like this happen. So that's amazing to, like, feed our body. And then also to think of, think of teenage Ray Uncle perhaps having read that scripture and it, and God giving it to you personally, which is why it was impacted enough to write, to underline it, perhaps, if that was the case, and, and to not live in that every day going forward. How many times do we sit and we hear a sermon and we think, oh my gosh, this is life-changing. And then by Monday night, you're like, what was the sermon about right, again? Right. Yeah. It have, so I think that would have happened when I was in my early 20s, yeah. uh, when I was working and I read it. But but absolutely, because then like you and I was probably on vacation or something, so I had time to think mm-hmm. about something else. Mm-hmm. And then yeah, you get caught right, we go right back to work, and you mm-hmm. got caught up in the in the world, and and really for me, what the world told me yes. that I should be caught up in. Sure. I mean, that's what your identity should be. And to, and to, m- people that aren't in the world of accounting would probably never guess this, but it can be a very ego driven environment. And so, yeah, so you go right back into that rat race, and we mm-hmm. all have some version of the rat race that we've probably dealt with, and, and you lose sight. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's it's a little discouraging to hear that, like, okay, we could have been moved by it, and but but the fact that that was one seed planted, you know, and then when it when it did change you, I'm guessing there's more to this tale that you made some radical changes based on the miracle you experienced. Yeah, I did, and so it's funny. I um, I I so I after that happened. I, I used to joke. So, well, first and foremost, instead of talking about career, yes. So I, um, so I made the decision to serve from that point forward and never look back. Okay. Um, so now I do things like I teach our basic beliefs at the church. Mm-hmm. Um, I teach more often than not. I teach the shape class. It's a wonderful at, class at the church. Um, to that. And that's, by the way, if you're listening to this and you haven't been through shape, please show mm-hmm. up because it it will help you do what I'm talking about. It'll help you find deeper meaning in your life. It'll help you understand how God created you and how you can use that um, those skills and experiences and your heartbeat and your abilities and personality to love others and to love God and mm-hmm. and. Really, the goal, and, and you know, sometimes we're better than, than others, but the goal is to help you find the same freedom that I'm talking about. It's yes. like, where is meaning? And so, um, so that's a great class, anyway. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, so it was definitely a turning point in terms of how uh, walking with the Lord and no looking back. And then there was a turning point in my career as well. Um, so, yeah, it was the most pivotal moment of my life for sure. Wow, and I'm sure that even your home was different after that day. Your children, your wife, your—I would imagine if with that yeah, kind oh, of a radical oh movement my, yeah. that your whole home environment and everything that rippled outside of that. Yeah, changed. so um, so I've never professed to be perfect, and I want to I want to say that, but I'm far more perfect than I was. <laughs> that is something to strive for in life, just to be far more perfect than I was yesterday. So that s- sanctification <laughs> mm-hmm. definitely began playing out, and. You know, my kids never not, there was never a point where they didn't know the Lord, you know, because it was about two that we started getting involved. So mm-hmm. as far as their memories go, they've, they've, mm-hmm. they've known the Lord. Remember a book called Anchorman uh, that I read was about being the first Christian male oh, in your family and setting that anchor in place. Wow. And so, um, 
So yeah, zero, <laughs> zero, zero regret. You know, when it comes to like uh, in one of the classes I teach, mm-hmm. I talk about um, evangelism. It's one of the things that we're supposed to do. And it's pro- one of the things that we as Christians are, if we're honest, is many of us would say it's the thing I'm worst at. Mm-hmm. I really have a difficult time saying to someone, "Hey, do you know the Lord?" Mm-hmm. You know, and, and whatever words that are appropriate. Sure. But that that is something so difficult for us. And I, um, one, it came to me one day like. You could do this. Like, think think of the people you know and break them into two groups, those that know the Lord and those that don't know the Lord. And, of course, there's people like that. Mm-hmm. And we're talking about evangelism, but I'm going to say right now, don't think about the people that don't know the Lord. Just th- think about the ones that do know the Lord. And I want you to try to split that into two groups, those who know the Lord and are glad they do and those that know the Lord and regret it. Oof. And you can't do it. Yeah. You can't do it. Mm-hmm. So... Why would we ever be shy about sharing our love for the Lord, you know? And so anyway, you, you know, did things change? Yeah, yeah, because I made the decision. Have I ever regretted it? Absolutely not. Yeah. Like, you can't. And that was your prayer. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You wanted to know. Right. And now you very clearly can say. No regrets. No yeah. regrets. Right. Wow. Well, I really appreciate you sharing all that story with us. Um, I, when you look at all of that history, you know, when we look at the evidence of our faith and the things that are very real in your life, what do you see into the future then and how that's going to guide into your horizons? Yeah, you know, um, I'll, I'll say what I'm working on right now. Okay. Um, so I'll, I'll actually bring up a couple more passages uh, for you. Um, so I'm going to, one, I'm going to read out of uh, Matthew 11, and this is verse 28. Come to me, all of you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Mm-hmm. And that's been something that that's something that like you talk about the future now. Five years from now, I might have a different answer, but this sure. is what I'm wrestling through right now. So, you may have picked up on my success-driven commentary that I can be a Type A personality mm-hmm. and I can be a doer and an achiever, and, and still there's a little bit of that in me. It's not it's not like it was, mm-hmm. um, but I think that's one of the things like. Um, we, in general, as Christians, can get very much like, go, go, go. And there is the great commission to be done. So I'm not trying to minimize that. But then I have to remember, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And through that, I'm just trying to reflect on, like, he is all about love. That doesn't mean anything goes. He's our Savior as mm-hmm. well. He's our Lord and Savior. Mm-hmm. Um I should say he's our Lord as well. So he's our Lord and Savior. Um, but God is love, right? And so that's one of the things I'm trying to do. That doesn't mean be lazy. It doesn't mean don't serve. But it doesn't mean like it's for me to save the world, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Like I can only do what I can do. And, and, and I can only do what I'm wired to do. So I'm trying to find peace in that. And that's, that's one thing in the future. Mm-hmm. The other thing that I would say, and forgive me, this is probably five verses, but um, Matthew 7, judging others, so I'll read, this is Christ speaking, do not judge or you too will be judged, for in the same way you judge others, you will be judged, and with, measure you, and with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye 
when all the time there's a plank in your own eye. Mm. You hypocrite. <laughs> First take the plank out of your own eye, and then you will see the clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. And that's another thing I, I just trying to be cognizant of is like God is in control. He there, he just, he just, he just commanded me right there not to judge others. Mm -hmm. What he has also commanded me to do other uh, elsewhere is to love my neighbor. Mm -hmm. And so again, I, and I want to be careful with that because that doesn't mean anything goes, but it does mean that I'm supposed to love my neighbor. Mm -hmm. And it does mean that God is, judgment is for him. And so those are like the two things that I'm trying to wrestle with is like just find ease in my faith that doesn't mean don't serve mm -hmm. and leave it in God's hands that doesn't mean anything goes mm -hmm. but my job is to love and when I look at the fact that it's burden is light I can I can I think it I, I can love peacefully you know mm -hmm. I can I could just take peace in who he is and what, what he has done for us and when I say chill, I don't mean chill like don't serve, but I mean right. like chill. It's not all on my shoulders. Sure. Yeah. This is reminding me of a scripture I was guided to this past week in, uh, let's see, it's a proverb, and it says, um, make ready the horses for the day of battle, but victory rests with God. Mm, yeah. So our responsibility is to make ready the horses for the day of battle. Right. Don't sit idle. Right. However, rest, it says victory rests with God. It's right. not that victory, you know, fights or strives or it, it rests. Yeah, that's great. With God. That's great. And so, yeah, and I think the more we can get, like, our, you know, part, there was a St. Francis of Assisi quote, preach the gospel at all times and if necessary, mm. use words. Mm -hmm. And of course, I think at some point we do have to use mm -hmm. words. Sure. But when he says teach it at all times, that means when people see us, they see something different about mm -hmm. us. And if we're a bunch of judgmental, angry people that mm -hmm. are never finding joy, like what's appealing about that? Sure. <laughs> you know? Sure. So, um, and it's a full circle to the way that we started this podcast, <laughs> that you and my husband worked together almost a decade ago. Right. And you both saw a light in the other that you respected and that you enjoyed. And yep. now here we are serving together. That's amazing. And, you know, living life alongside one another to reach more. Yeah, it's cool. Along the way as well. God does some really cool stuff, and that's that's another example. Yeah, those are all miracles. Whew. Well... Thanks, Ray, for being here with us and for sharing all these pieces of your story. And I hope, um, audience, that you're encouraged to um, to rest and also get out there and you know work for, work for the Lord as well and exactly. find that balance that is between readying your horse and and resting in the Lord. And if you don't know the Lord, you've heard people say this that He loves you, mm -hmm. and that is I, I could choke up on that. He really does. Mm -hmm. So. If you don't know the Lord, I, you know, I'm no arm twisting. He, he really does. Mm -hmm. And um, I just encourage you to get to know him. Yeah. Reach out to Ray. Give him a call to get, get some coffee. Happy and, to. Uh, Happy and to. And learn more. Yep. Thanks, Ray, for sharing your spirit with us. My pleasure.